Welcome back to Electricity Take It, your pop culture podcast. And this week we are joined by Mark Riley from the band Mapianco. Mapianco are known for their Latin funk jazz infused music and have had success for over 40 years. This is Mark Riley. Thanks for coming on Electricity Take It podcast. It's great to have you. How's the pandemic been treating you? Uh, sort of frustrating, you know, um, especially work-wise. I managed to get about four shows in last September. That's about it. Uh, but I've been working on uh, going through my back catalogue. I'm doing like a a 30 odd track that's like a best of but um revisited kind of thing because uh i know all the original stuff's out there anyway so i'm just sort of reworking some of the tunes and uh picking the ones that i enjoy over my career and you know just like a best it's called the essential matt bianco but it will will be when it comes out so mark yeah. tell us about your childhood uh did you grow up in a musical family uh not really my my parents were music fans um I mean, there's, they like people like Ray Charles, Mahalia Jackson, uh, Nat King Cole. Um, so it's leaning on jazz, but also, you know, popular music. Yeah, so away from the parental influences, which we all had to listen to growing up, what were you listening to yourself? What would you be buying on vinyl? Uh, well, I felt my first record that I was buying, uh, I think it was a T-Rex, Rider White Swan, I think it was my first Around 1970, I suppose, 1969. I suppose a bit of Beatles collectively with my parents when I was very young. But um, yeah, my first was was in like T-Rex and uh, Roxy Music, that kind of stuff. And then how does uh, a how does hey? a kid go from T-Rex to yeah. Uh, Latin jazz? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, around my 14th birthday, my auntie she lived in America. Well, still lives in America. She sent me. Um, Stevie Wonder's Talking Book, the, the album, and I actually loved it. So it kind of, I sort of opened up avenues for black music for me. And uh, so I had this sort of parallel taste of, because I used to go to a lot of dance clubs as well with friends. Um, so I was into sort of the dance music and soul, but also, you know, because I liked T-Rex and Bowie and Roxy Music, that kind of art side of uh and it, it kind of like went together in in the youth culture because when you went out it's sort of people who were into underground stuff that seemed to stick together it wasn't uh dispersed like it is now where you have different scenes but so uh yeah i, I just kind of things in parallel and, and latin music come in with bands like war santana that sort of mid-70s latin funk uh and then once i got into latin I sort of experimented a bit more with Faneuil stars and that stuff. And then and in Blue Rondo, uh, when I joined Blue Rondo, there was two Brazilians in the band. So the Brazilian side came in from there. So you, were, you mentioned Blue Rondo. I'm going to say Blue Rondo a la Turk. Yeah. Um, you were still quite young when um, you guys got signed. Like, yeah. How did you feel getting the record? Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, um, yeah, we signed to Virgin. And we signed on uh, with Richard Branson on his barge in uh, Maiden Vale. <laughs> yeah, it was mad times. It was a mad band. It really was. We had some great times up and down the UK, uh, a lot of partying, and, um, but it, it just couldn't sustain itself. It was uh, unruly characters in the band. So it just after one album, I uh, 
I was looking to go different directions in, in a similar vein, but uh, uh, that's how sort of Matt Bianca was born out of that band. And where did the name come from? Were you trying to be exotic in the 80s? You know, we had like the Louis yeah. Storm and all these kind of, you know, r- new romantic names, uh, Blue Rondo a la Torque. Where did you get that from? Uh, well, we invented a character that we were into the sort of spy movie theme tunes and um, the music that come out of that. And we sort of invented a character that's kind of could be a spy movie character. And we sort of used that character to sort of influence some of the music we were doing. I mean, it just, it was quite amusing just at the time, you know, that there was this character and that was the name of the band and no one was called Metvienko. But then after a while, it just became a name that we just forgot about, you know, that was it. So. Mark, I have to confess, I was, um, when I contacted your management, I said, we'd like to speak to Matt Bianco, please. Yeah. It's very polite in his reply. <laughs> I was right, oh my God. I, I, for, when I was listening to your music, and I always thought you were Matt Bianco. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I never say anything cause, because uh, I don't see any point of sort of going out to say, oh, I'm not Matt Bianco on this. But yeah, it's the name of the group, and it, it started out as a, as a fictitious character for our influences kind of thing. And you mentioned that you were uh, influenced by spy movies, getting the name Matt Bianco. Uh, who's your favourite Bond? Bond? Yeah. Uh, I've still got to be Sean Connery, I think. <laughs> yeah, mine's Roger. Roger. <laughs> no, nobody's mentioning the Irish Bond, no? Matt Bianco's debut album, Who Side You're On, um, Who Side Are You On, yeah. was a smash hit. And it seemed like you guys were just everywhere. Every pop music, uh, TV show, every teen magazine. Were, mm. were, you, were you ready for that kind of level of success so young, so quickly? Uh, well, we were quite surprised by it because um, we'd gone to quite a few record companies that, that weren't interested. And... Uh, a guy called Max Hole, who uh, was an A&R guy at uh, WEA Warners, um, he he was interested. And he kept he kept sort of kept us going, kept us going uh, for ages. And then uh, he said, "Oh, I'll sign you on a two single deal." Uh, so that's what happened. And the first track came out, and it was a hit. So they sort of signed us up quickly for albums and stuff. So, but uh, at the time, the music we were doing. Um, wasn't really what what was going on because it was a lot of electronic music, you know, Depeche Mode and uh, you know Erasure and uh, all those sort of bands. So we didn't think that we'd have much appeal with what's going on. So we were quite surprised when the when the first tune was a hit, you know. But it came out, and three weeks later, we were on top of the pops, and um, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, for, for me, you know, to go on top of the pops at that time was just, just incredible. You, you, because uh, you've been watching it all your life religiously. You just led into my next question. What was that experience like? How was it for you? What was it like going on set, playing the music? I don't, I don't think the actual event was, uh, you know, it was a bit boring. You waited in your, in your changing room for ages, but, uh, and then it's all over and they sort of heard all the audience all around the different stages. But it was just the realization that it was affirmation that you were a pop star, which is sort of like I don't know if it was it's your dream, but it was like once you're on top of the pops, you because previously in Blue Ronda we got very close a couple of times to getting top of the pops, and it's kind of a make or break thing, you know. So we knew once we did it, 
that was it. We 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 were sort of on a level which we could uh, be successful, which which was which was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, talk the pops itself. It was like a lot of uh, waiting in your room, <laughs> and then they bring you out. To I think, uh, hello, John got a new motor was number one <laughs> at the time. <laughs> But you know what? You, you, you had an incredible sound and it was gold because it, it appealed to the wider demographic than the music of the time. Like I remember my folks bought your record and that's how I introduced the Mappianco sound. My yeah. father bought the records and he played them because it was like like you had you had your sound and you're shaking Stevens doing the thing that the parents and the kids like. So you, you kind of you were capturing that kind of mold, which top of the pops represents that you could have yourself and then you could have Ultravox, you could have all these different types of acts. So yeah. was that something that you worked on yourselves that we we just go for the sound, or was that just the sound you love playing? Yeah, uh, um, it's just the music we're into, you know, and um we always love songs and, and uh, a musicality to the, to the in- instrumentation. So I suppose that would appeal to older generation because it was, uh, I suppose for pop songs, it was a, a bit more to it than in some of the songs that, than, uh, than a regular pop song. I don't mean to be, you know, any, Go better, on. any other pop Go song. Go on. Of course. Yeah, but, but I suppose the, yeah, the musicality of it was, was, we used kind of a few jazz musicians and and a, a lot, probably a lot more chords in it than s- some of the pop songs. So I suppose to an older generation, it, they would, they could recognise or would, that would appeal, you know. Well, it was an incredible time for music. I mean, you, you could be in a nightclub and you could be dancing away to some 80s synth music and then, yeah, yeah, come on. And you're still hopping away. So like, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was just an incredible time for music because the music was just there, you know. Incredible. Know. It's... Uh, yeah, it's very eclectic, wasn't it? And yeah. anyone had a chance of, of being getting on top of the pops or having a hit. Now it's sort of a lot more, you know, sectioned off with different types of music. But we we interviewed um, Simon Bartholomew from the Brand New Heavies uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and he made a brilliant point that I, I never really thought about. Was in the eighties, you had your you know your mods, your skins, your rockers, your new romantics or whatever. But on a Thursday night, everybody sat down. And for that 45 minutes or 50 minutes, you were subjected to all, every flavor of music. You know, there was no skipping. There was no, you know, pausing and fast forwarding. So everyone was opened up to a, 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 you know, a multitude of different flavors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So So the, um, I think it was Sunday night, they did the chart show. I don't know if it was Sunday night. Uh, One one of the days that the, the, the charts come up and, and basically we didn't know until they, and, and number 15 is so like then number 14, you go, oh my God, we're, we've made it to there, we've made it here. But remember, um, I think we were flying off somewhere and uh, I made the taxi driver wait because we we were going higher and higher up the charts and they hadn't played our track and I would go, wow, we're number so-and-so, we're number, and I nearly missed the flight because I was waiting to hear what uh, what chart position we were. So. That's Brilliant. That's just brilliant. We used to get a midweek prediction, but then sometimes it would be up or down from that. Yeah. But well, Mark, the crazy, if I asked you what's number one now, I don't know if you could tell me, I certainly couldn't. 
No, I, I couldn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> terrible. No, I couldn't. It's terrible. That's just the way it's gone. But yeah. we want to ask you another TV show, and I don't know if you recall this, but the Saturday uh, Superstar incident when they had these phone ins. You were there was a few, and a few victims. I think five star were caught as well. Yeah. Do you remember that happening? And it looked like you kind of you didn't hear what the guy called you. Did you? Were you aware of it? Or yeah, it, what what was weird was because um, we were there to promote. I think it was sneaking out the back door and we just did a, a video in Rome and it's all shot in Rome. And I was driving this little uh, Fiat 500 and they'd gone to great lengths to tell the audience uh, that we weren't wearing seatbelts. And, and in Italy, it's all this kind of bit over the top conservative sort of, and uh, after all that, and this guy comes over and says, you bunch of whackers. It's like, <laughs> What? What? You know, well, if if <laughs> anything, quite, no one quite understood it. You know, when, when whenever there's a kind of top 100 moments of the 80s TV yeah. moments of the 80s, that's on it. So yeah, like yeah. it was, and and you weren't the only ones that were caught as Kieran said. You know, yeah. You could hear Sarah Green. I think it was taking the sharp intake of breath. <gasps> no, Simon. You're through to Matt Bianco. Hello, Matt Bianco. Mark, your second album, the self-titled Matt Bianco, yeah. arrived in 1986. Again, massive, massive success, especially with the song Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. As, as, as a unit, were you enjoying the success? Well, actually, the second album, when I, uh, when I split up with Danny and Basho, to the sort of astonishment of the record company, because we had, you know, the first album went massive across the Europe. And then we split up and they were like, whoa, you know, what have you done? Sort of, and to, but to me, it was, uh, at the time, was uh, not a problem. And um, so I hooked up with, uh, we'd done a, a live TV show uh, and we did about two or three tracks. And um, Danny wanted a, another keyboard player to play. So um, this guy come in, who did a lot of um, session when uh, say American act come to the, to the UK and they needed a band, uh, record companies have a sort of stock number of musicians they bring in to do the session. And it was Mark Fisher. So, cause I needed to get together with some other people. Um, I, I phoned him up to, uh, was interested in making a new album with me. So that was the start of that second album at Bianco was uh, with Mark, you know, so, uh, and yeah, yeah, it was a track I always loved. Um, and I knew, I knew it from Georgie Fame's version, you know, I really liked his version. Um, you know, since know that there was earlier versions of it, but yeah, and I was a big fan. Well, it's, it's, it's a toe tapper, that's for sure. America album. Yeah. Saw you working with Emilio Estefan. Yes. Ago. Yeah. Um, what was the process of working with Emilio? The legendary um, Emilio Estefan. Yeah, we um we'd got quite a few quite a way through the album. And then again, Max Hole, he said, Look, I want you to are you interested in working with this guy, Emilio Estefan, you know, in, in Miami? And uh 
uh, I said, yeah, brilliant, you know. Uh, so we went over there. We had Don't Blame It On That Girl already, and he really liked that, but he wanted to re-record it uh, and get his guys on it, which was, uh, you know, and he did, and he really brought it to life, you know, with the horns and the Latin piano. and uh, Yeah, it was funny, and uh, I got a phone. We got to Miami. I was in the, in the hotel. I get this phone call and it's, it's, uh, he's got it. It's, it's, a, I can't do accents, but it was like Tony Montana from, uh, <laughs> I thought someone was riding me up. I thought it was my manager riding me up. She goes, it's a million, man. I'm downstairs in the Rolls Royce. And I was like, is this you, Ian? You know, so it's my manager. <laughs> Stop taking the piss, you know. But I looked outside and there was, uh, there's Emilio and Gloria in this, uh, old old style Rolls Royce. So I'll come down there. But uh it was it was great. Is uh, we had a great um recording sessions with him. Um and uh it's funny because my manager speaks fluent Spanish but he never let on that he could. So in the studio every now and again they would they would go in to speak in Spanish. So I'd ask my manager at the end of the day, did they say anything you know negative towards us? said no no it's all good you know so uh on the final day they said oh we're going to take you to little havana have a proper cuban coffee uh, so we go on down there and uh so we take a sip of the coffee and my manager just goes blah, 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 in spanish you know uh after touching this coffee and you can see their faces like they're thinking retracting what what they might have said over the last week because <laughs> they thought we could understand spanish so that was funny over the course of just doing a bit of research for, for, for tonight, um, I was listening to a couple of tracks from a couple of the albums and Wapam Boogie from Indigo. I, I must have played it about three times today. It's a whopper of a song. Absolute whopper. <laughs> yeah. Even, like, you know, you're talking 1980, it was 86, 88, 88. Hey, yeah. Like, still, it's still a, a, a banging track. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh we did that uh we had a we had a backing track we wanted to do like a latin house and um we worked at pwl you know peter Cake and Waterman's peter Waterman studio and um because of phil harding he's the mix engineer we used, we've always used to use and there's a programmer downstairs used to you know if you wanted a, some remix stuff he could program downstairs and send it up to phil in the upstairs studio and uh so i went down with him and he just got loads of samples these vocal samples of this guy called ambassador so uh it sounded wicked so we just started to compile it uh you know his samples onto this house uh track we had done and uh straight away it just sounded sounded wicked so uh yeah that's how that came about You mentioned Mark Fisher, uh, who tragically passed away in 2016. How yeah. did that affect the band and yourself personally? Yeah, it's very sad. I mean, we've we'd known each other for... 30 years and work together so yeah he, he, i mean he, he was so brave he, he fought for 18 months with it you know and 
um, yeah, it was uh, it's still sad thinking about it, really. But um, for me, it was like time. It was an opportunity to to move on, you know, and um, that's what I did. I, I hooked up with uh, a few different people at the time i was going to have in a, a time out from matt bianco uh, in a way i was working i started to do an album with a dutch band called new cool collective um in almost like a sideline thing while he was uh not well um we still did some matt bianco shows and managed to do one with him in uh like a festival in surrey which was his last one but um yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a difficult one to to uh, yeah, still still it still raises a lot of emotions. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so just, just a talented man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he was very he's excellent, Mark. Yeah, but you, you got, got some great laughs as well. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you, look, you got back into it. And you're, you're still recording and performing as Matt Bianco with, with various yeah. lines. What, what keeps you motivated? What keeps that buzz going? Um. I always like to introduce something new, whether, you know, working with different people or like collaborations. Um, the Gravity album, I, I, that was the first studio album after Mark. Um, I wanted to do like a um, typical jazz combo sound, you know, with uh, drums, double bass, piano, and a couple of horns. And I got together with Dave O'Higgins, who's a, um, He's quite well known on the, on the jazz circuit in in, in UK. Uh, he'd, he'd done some tours with Matt Bianco in the nineties, but he'd since sort of got more into mainstream jazz. And he he's, he built a, a studio in his attic in Brixton, and he collects all these amazing microphones. So uh, yeah, I went down. I phoned him up, and he was well into the idea. So we just got together, started working, and. Uh, and that was the result, and it was, uh, it was really enjoyable. It was a good departure from what I'd normally do, but because in the end, it always comes out sounding like Matt Bianco, but um, it was a bit more acoustic. And Mark, when you're playing uh, jazz gigs, do you prefer that, or do you prefer like the kind of retro gigs where you're playing as Matt Bianco? What, what, you know, the hits, which do you prefer? Because there are different types of audience. Aren't they? Are the expectations totally different on both gigs? Um, I sort of maybe sort of change the set a little bit depending on what we're doing but you know we still even with the jazz outfit we do most of the hits and we we can sort of adapt them in in a positive way to 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 suit a jazz lineup um you know all the things like who side you on half a minute you lazy bed have all those elements in it anyway and yeah yeah as well you know um Maybe not work by Boogie, but uh, yeah, don't blame it on the girl. We we do that, you know, with with a sort of Latin jazz. Um, so it's it's not hard to adapt. Um, yeah, but some if I go out with the uh, the last full electric was um, Nuclear Collective, which is which again is great. It has so much more energy on stage. Um, yeah, you have to sort of if we're doing say a festival. Um, depending on what type of audience it is. If it's a jazz festival, then fine. But then if it's just, you know, a mixture, of, I'd probably go more electric and a bit more up-tempo. Up yeah. Do you play any of the smaller kind of 
smaller jazz venues because I've been at some jazz gigs and it can be quite intense. You know, if you if you, if you cough, even you're frowned upon, like you just sit there, and <laughs> yeah. open out. I remember I brought my wife and she was, I was having a few vinos and she was laughing and joking. I mean, nearly got thrown out of place. It's very, yeah. very. You sit there, you don't open your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we do. We do. Um, lately, we've been doing the Blue Nut Clubs uh, in Tokyo, Milan, uh, other places in in in, uh, in Japan as well. Uh, we've done Ronnie Scott's a bit. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're nice. It's intimate, and uh, at least at least I don't smoke anymore. Which is <laughs> for me, it used to be like oh, my eyes be streaming, you know. <laughs> But uh, I know some jazz people like smoke, but uh, not me. Mark, you mentioned the New Cool Collective and uh, in 2020 you released the album High Anxiety with, with collaborating with them. Uh, was that a play on the whole pandemic, the title of the album? Uh, it could have been. Yeah, it could be, but it was more... Um, I listened to my daughter's... Uh, she's 25 now, but at the time she was, I don't know, what, 23 or so. It's just listening to her her life and her expectations and her, in, in the workplace uh the pressures that you have on you know uh and everyday expectations uh yeah and it was a play on that really uh today's lifestyles and how you have to uh, the pressures of and everyone's got you know stress everyone's got anxiety uh and it was more a play on that so i know we, we touched on it earlier on but have you ever been called matt during an interview yeah, yeah, yeah. I just you just you just palm it off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it doesn't, you know. As long as the name's being branded about, yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> so, when can we expect to see Mark Royley, Matt Bianco back on stage? Um, well, I keep. They were we were supposed to be playing um, uh, Chill Fest, um, which isn't this month, but we got bumped off to next year and then I got uh, a festival in Belgium and um, shows in Italy in September, October, November. But um, I just have to keep saying, yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm into doing it, but it all depends on the COVID situation because um, at the moment uh, if I'm taking a band and we have to go and play somewhere and come back and, quarantine for 10 days that means all their family have to quarantine they can't go to school the, the, everyone involved in it so people go oh, I'm not going to do that so it makes it really difficult just to make it work you know then you don't also you don't want to shell out on flights and if it's just going to get cancelled I mean I had so many flights that to uh, phone up airlines for months and months trying to get the money back for we had a big tour in 2020 or, and it uh, just fell apart, you know. Will, is, will, does, will Brexit have a, an impact on you? Well, I thought it was, but um, it doesn't seem to be, if you're just doing short runs, um, it doesn't seem to be that bad. 
possibly Germany might be more of a problem, but um, something you just have to get around. It's a pain in the ass, but um, I mean, I, I, uh, I voted to stay in the EU, but you know, now we're out. It's like, you just got to make the best of it. And you mentioned Mark at the start of the interview that you're working on a compilation, a compilation, I can't say. Yeah. Comp- you're working on a new album. Yeah, yeah. Mark, you're working on a new album. How would you pick these songs? Like, obviously, you have your favorites, but is there ones that you you feel that should be out there that were missed or kind of should mean bigger than you were? There's a bit of that. I've just I've chosen the tracks that I've enjoyed the most over, over and some of them are re-records completely. Even um, Danny and Basher of of been involved where we've re-recorded half a minute. Um, I've really done more than I can bear. Um, you know, as I was saying before, all the original stuff's already available. So uh, rather than put out, cobble a load of stuff together and put it out, I'd want it to, to um, you know, bring some new stuff. I've also got some brand new tracks that are that I've done a while ago that I never released. That uh, aren't, they're not fillers either. They're good tracks. So it was a... I went to, I worked in Seville for, for a little bit with some flamenco guys. And there's a couple of tracks that I did that never got released that I've always liked, but I didn't have a vehicle for it. So on a, something like this, I can, I can add them to the collection and I think they sit really well. Is there anything out there now that you're listening to in, in today's music? Like I, I still hark back to the old stuff. There's very little that I listen to now. Is there anything that catches your eye now? Not really. Um, no one's sort of st- stuck out that I, you know, I, I, I check out sometimes people post some performances of bands and I think, oh, that looks, that's really good. Or, um, But that's as far as, I'm, I'm a bit lazy, to be honest, with <laughs> getting, getting together with new music. Um, you know, usually through my daughter or something like that, you know, I'll check stuff out. Yeah. So have you any plans to play Ireland? Is that on the pipeline? Well, I'd love to. Um, I don't think we've ever played Ireland. I'm not sure. That is shocking. I know. I know. I don't ever be, I've done a TV there, but um, I don't think we've done a show. I don't think we've done a show there. Yeah. Well, hopefully that'll change when we get to see and have a yeah. point at the gig. When yeah. things, what is a gig? When things take it back to normal. You had a pound in your pocket. It's the last orders at the bar. You have one pound, one song. What does Mark Riley play on the jukebox? Um, well, I don't know if this would be on the jukebox, but it's uh, Mood is Mood for Love by King Pleasure. It's a, he's a jazz singer. Right. So we'll play it with that, Mark. <laughs> okay. So, Mark, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We really mean it. Um, we're very happy you came on. Yeah. Very, very pleasure. brilliant. And uh, thanks for appearing on Let Christy Take It. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Pretty baby, you are the soul who snaps my control. Such a funny thing, but every time you're near me, I never can behave. Give me a smile and then I'm wrapped up in your magic There's music all around me Crazy music, music that keeps calling me So very close to you Turns me your slave
I'm sorry, what was that? One, two, three, go. Welcome back to Let Christy Take It podcast. You're, no. Welcome back to Let Christy, your pop... Co- no, it's hard. Welcome back to... <laughs> One, two, three. What if I need you in my darkest hour? What if it sounds like there is... But it's... I was wrong. All right, let's not panic. Nobody even knows about this yet. That super lady, don't you know? Do, 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 believe it. Do, do, do. One, two, three. The air attack warning sounds like boom. Dun, dun, da, da, da. My wife here needs to talk to you. When love breaks down. Yeah. Wait, we're going live, all right? She joins a liar. Thank you.